what God is showing us is kingdom principles. He's teaching us the things that he in his kingdom do and the things that he shows and the things that he creates for us to, to do in heaven. He's calling us to do those things here on earth. How do we know how to love? We know how to love our neighbor. We know how to love those around us because God has shown us by loving us. So he's called us to love in the same way. Why? Because in his kingdom, it's all about love. There is no hatred in his kingdom. There, there's no, and, and it's a kingdom principle that he has called us to walk in. And, and so these principles are things that, honestly, they, they sometimes don't go over real well. Sometimes they, they, we love the principle, but the application of it rubs us the wrong way. And, and, it, and it's going to. Just like today, we'll rub you the wrong way. It, listen, if it's not, it's not a kingdom principle. How can it be? His kingdom is a perfect kingdom. And, and, and he's describing this as we're going through this Sermon on the Mount, this incredible sermon. Again, I, I, without a doubt, the greatest sermon ever preached, even in the cliff notes that Luke gives us in a two-minute read, there is more in this thing than we could ever digest in a, in a lifetime. But God's called us to come to some understanding of this. And one of the first things we have to understand is what he's describing is a kingdom that we don't know anything about. A kingdom that we have never experienced, that nobody had ever experienced. He, he's bringing this revolutionary teaching about a kingdom that this kingdom had never heard anything about because nobody from this kingdom had ever gone to that kingdom before. And nobody from that kingdom had come to this kingdom before Jesus. And so Jesus came, and he came from heaven to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, and he came into this kingdom to begin to describe to this kingdom what was going on in this kingdom. And he says, I want you to understand these principles, because when I go, I'm going to supply, through my shed blood and the cross at Calvary, I'm going to open the doors for the opportunity for you to become members, citizens of this kingdom. And I want you to know about it. And so he's describing these kingdom principles as he's describing the, the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of this world. And then he goes on and he tells us that when whichever kingdom principles, because this kingdom has principles, does, they may not be, I mean, they may be even demonic, but they're still principles. And God's kingdom has principles. And church, whichever principles we apply to our life, whichever principles we do, shows us the kingdom in which we've placed our trust. Have we placed our trust in this kingdom or this kingdom? And Jesus is confronting this in a pretty strong, pretty, pretty bold way. You know, sometimes we, we well, I'll, I'll share with you in a minute. We'll go through the scripture, but let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Ask the Lord right now to open up your heart. Ask him to open your ears. Ask the Lord to help you to hear what he wants you to hear today, to receive what he wants you to receive today. Ask him. Oh, Lord, we, we need you. We are undone without you. God, we can't... We can't find victory without you. We can't find relief without you. We, we can't find peace without you. 
God, we can't find deliverance without you. There is nothing we can find without you, and, and you are your word. So today, Lord, let your word minister to our mind. Let your word minister to our heart. Let your word minister in our life that would bring a transformation. God, if it doesn't challenge us to be transformed, can it really be you sharing God's kingdom with us in this kingdom? So change our hearts and minister your grace tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. So these principles we've been talking about over the past few weeks. The first principle that we talked about or that I brought up was that forgiven people must forgive. Again, it's a principle of God's kingdom. And listen, we, we know it's a principle of his kingdom because in God's kingdom, there is no unforgiveness. Okay, it's not, we will not have to deal with unforgiveness in God's kingdom because it's all about, God is all about forgiveness. His kingdom will be filled with forgiveness. His kingdom will be filled with, there will be no unforgiveness. And he's explaining this principle. And he's saying, as I have poured out forgiveness from my kingdom, if you have been touched by my kingdom principles, my kingdom life, my kingdom liberty, if you've been touched in that way by the forgiveness that comes from this kingdom, please understand that you, as you are born again, you are in this world, but you no longer are of this world. Therefore, we are to be of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we're to be applying his kingdom principles here in this world. So what God is doing, he's calling you and I to do as his servants, his stewards here on earth. He's calling us to do the same thing here on earth. So as God's kingdom is filled with forgiveness, we are called to be filled with forgiveness. And we are called then to extend that to those around us. He says this, Jesus said in verse 37, he says, judge not and you will not be judged. Now I talked about that a few weeks ago. It's, you know what, in this world, it's impossible for us not to judge. Okay, it's impossible. In fact, I don't believe we can be biblically helpful to each other without judgment. So here, what he's sharing is that this judgment is not to be followed with condemnation. He's saying, hey, listen, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. We don't cast judgment and then bring condemnation, our self-proclaimed condemnation upon those we judge. We're called to bring forgiveness. And he's called us to that, to forgive, he says, and you will be forgiven. Okay, that's a kingdom principle. And I know that over the past few weeks, there are many of you that have been wrestling with that, as we in this world should. That's why Jesus said, Hey, how many times do you forgive? Seven? No. Seventy? No. Seven times seventy. Means it's continual. He then goes on, and we talked about this last week, where getters should be givers. Look, in God's kingdom, it's all his. What did Jesus say when he left? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He goes to prepare a place, and he goes to prepare a place for you, and it's his place that he's preparing for you. Everything in the kingdom of God is God's. It's all his. It's all his, and he's preparing a place for you and for me. He's preparing it as he wants it to be just for you. He's custom crafting his stuff for you, 
And so as God is a giver, and the Bible says that God, the God of this kingdom, God so loved the world that he gave. We know God loves us because God gave to us. And so as God gives, he's called you and I to be givers as well. And again, I'm not just simply talking about money. What has God given you? What is it? Has God given you a house? Then give it for his glory. Not meaning give it up, but you know what? Have people over. Bring people in. Use your house for hospitality. He says this in verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So God is saying in the kingdom principles, if God has forgiven you, then forgive others. If God has given to you, then give to others. And, and again, we talked about this last week, that what we call this is it's generosity theology. It's not prosperity doctrine, and it's not poverty doctrine. It is a generosity th- theology that says, God, all of it, everything is yours. I am a steward. Lord, it's not how much of my money do I have to give you. It's, Lord, how much of your money do I get to keep? It's that place where we get with God where we realize that God is not, and listen, he does say he wants some to fall into our pockets, into our lap. But God, he doesn't just give to us, church. If if, if that's where we stop, it's like the Dead Sea. God doesn't just give to us. God's desire is to give through us. And that's what we're talking about here with these principles. These principles are seeing what God is doing and joining him, doing what God is doing. And we do it with him. So I will press this point. So forgiven people forgive. Have you been forgiven? Then who is God calling you to forgive? It's going to go hand in hand. And getters should be givers. Has God blessed you from his kingdom? Have you received from him? Has God given to you? Has God done for you? Have you received his blessings? Because if so, then God is calling you to give. What's he calling you to give? What's he calling you to do? Those are kingdom principles that God is talking about. And then Jesus goes on, and what we're going to talk about today is that leaders should lead themselves. Again, I, I, let me preface that by saying, I know as I stand up here, I know that you, you know, in the church you look, and I'm the pastor, so I'm the leader. But let me tell you, you are all leaders in one way or another. Every single one of you is leading somewhere, someone. If you're a mom or dad, guess what? You're a leader. If you're a coach, You're a leader. If you're a teacher, you are a leader. If you're a boss, if you're a supervisor, you are a leader. If you're a life group leader, guess what? You're a leader. If you're a ministry leader, if you're a ministry help, if you you serve in any of these places, you are a leader. If you're a husband, if you're a grandfather, if you're a father, you are a leader. If you're a wife... If you're a mom, if you're a grandma, you are a leader. If you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, you are a leader. My point is this. Everybody's leading somebody. 
Everybody's teaching somebody. Church, listen, you may not know it, but that doesn't change this fact. Somebody's watching you. And you are leading them. Jesus' question is, where are we leading them? Because, listen, before you can really effectively teach anyone or lead anyone or help anyone, particularly those that have been entrusted into your office of leadership, we need to first lead ourselves. And and this is what God is calling us to. Listen to what he says here. It says, starting in verse 39, I'm just going to, I'm going to go through these verses 39 through 42 today. And again, you can follow along on the app and all the scriptures are there or we've got them up here. So first off he says, and, and so Jesus told them this parable. Now, parables are something that Jesus used a lot. He spoke in parables a lot, where Jesus would use a very simple story, short story, to illustrate a point. So what Jesus is doing here in this parable is he is telling us a short story to illustrate a point. So I want you to see the illustration, and then I want you to see the point that he's making. Because oftentimes we read through the scriptures here, and we've read this over and over again, and we know that this is an amazing scripture for somebody else. And listen to what Jesus is saying here. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Can a blind man lead a blind man? Sure, they can. (laughs) Sure, I mean, they can, but it's probably not going to go very well. And and he said, can a blind man meet a blind man? Well, technically, yeah, he can. And then Jesus says, will they not both fall into a pit? That you can be assured. You may not know when, but the time will come. They will both fall fall into a pit. And so Jesus gives us this illustration, and this is the point that he's making. He says, a disciple, verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And then he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? He's talking brothers here. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but you don't notice the log. For some, the lumber yard. Why do we not notice the log that's in your own eye? He's making this personal, church. Don't think that this scripture and don't think that this message is about anybody else but just you. You know, me. It's personal. How can you say, again, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye? Listen, he doesn't say don't do that. He says, how can you do that while you got a log in your eye? How can you help your brother while you won't deal with the log that's in your own eye? He's not saying that we don't need help. He's saying we do need help. But the problem is we're trying to do it with a log in our eye. And that's a problem. And he goes on and he says, you hypocrite. Ouch. This is where it gets offensive. Jesus is pretty offensive. You know, it doesn't seem like he's always trying to be nice. 
Is there anything that really can be a whole lot more offensive to us than to be called a hypocrite? We read this and we just don't always apply it to ourselves, but that's what he's doing. He just called us a hypocrite. You hypocrite. And this is the big idea. He says, first, and listen, this is something that he gives for you and I to do. He doesn't say have somebody else do this. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't even say he, for him to do it. He says, first you, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will be able to clearly see and take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Or take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now, again, we don't like this, but what he's saying is that we're all hypocrites and blind guides. That can't be. My Sunday school told me I was a snowflake. White and pure and unique, one of a kind. Well, that might be true, but Jesus says, you're a blind guide and a hypocrite. That's what he's telling us. So those people in Sunday school that told you that, I love them, but they lied to you. They were blind guides And hypocrites too. And that's the way that it works. I told you this is going to rub you the wrong way. And it should. It should rub all of us. It does me. But all of us, listen, there's not a single one of us in this place that isn't blind to our own blindness. We are all, we are, we are, you know, that's the problem with self-deception. We are self-deceived, so therefore we are deceived and we don't know that we're deceived. That's why it's called self-deception. We don't know we're deceived when we're deceived. We are blind to our own blindness. And church, listen, much of the blindness that we have to struggle with is self-selected blindness. Pastor Mark, do you see that? Nope. Nope. Nope, I don't see that. Don't want to deal with it. Don't want nothing to do with it. I don't, I don't see it. Out of sight, out of mind. It's not a problem of mine. Why? Because I've closed my eyes to it. Because I have succumbed to self-selected blindness. And as I said at the beginning, every one of us is leading somebody. So what do we have? The blind leading the blind. Church, we have to understand this. We are deceived by our own deception. We deceive ourselves. And and Jesus is cocking. He's bringing this kingdom principle into this world. And not only that, but are we all blind guides to some respect? And we'll talk more about that, so don't, don't shut me out right yet. Jesus says, we're all hypocrites. We're hypocrites. Again, you can look up the the actual definition of hypocrite. You know, it was an actor, somebody who's pretending to be something that they're not. But by definition here, according to Jesus, what Jesus is saying as a definition of hypocrite is somebody who's got this great big issue in their life. And what they're doing is they're going around and they're gossiping and they're quarreling and they're nagging and they're nitpicking and they're moral copying and they're judging somebody else who's got a much smaller problem or issue in their life than they do. 
And that is hypocrisy. Now, church, please understand that he does not say, I'm going to be talk about this a lot today. He does not say, well, hey, you know what? You can't deal with anybody else's issues. You can't deal with anybody else. You can't say anything to anybody else. You can't talk to anybody else about their sin. You can't talk to anybody else about their issues. He does not say that. No, what he says is we all have specks in our eyes. Every single one of us, we all have specks in our eyes and we need help with the specks in our eyes because we can't see it ourselves. You know, Joni wears contacts and once in a while she will, um, and again, I, <laughs> yeah, I know, I love, it's like, <laughs> how do you lose a contact in an eye? <laughs> But she does. And, and, and so she needs help getting it because she can't find it. She can't see it. She can't get it out. And so she'll ask me, like, Could, can you please just look in my eye and see if you can find my contact? And it's like, ew. <laughs> That's a lot of eye contact. <laughs> I feel like she's seeing into my soul as I'm looking <laughs> as I'm looking for this icon. And so so you know what I do is I say, you know what, we gotta go call Lauren. <laughs> but she's got this thing in her eye that she can't see and she needs help getting it out, and she can't get it without help. You know what, church? All of us are that way. We all, he says, you all have a speck in your eye. We all have these things in our eyes, and the only way in which we can get that out is by having somebody around us help us to get those things out. So he's not saying don't do that. He's saying first things first. First, deal with your lumber yard. Deal with what you got in your own eye. Deal with what's going on in you. Because listen, I'll be honest with you. And I I will share some things here with you. I am not trying to broad stroke anything. I am not trying to um, make a generality that you would apply to everyone. But the truth is this. And for me, some of the worst marriages I've ever seen were those of marriage counselors. One of the first questions I ever ask anybody who is going to see a, a marriage counselor is, um, we'll talk about it, and, and I, I always ask, well, how's their marriage? And it's shocking, the answers. I had a couple just a little while ago who was going to a marriage counselor and they were getting marriage counseling and they were coming, they were sitting with me and, and we were talking and, and I asked the question. I, I said to them, you know, so you know, they, they loved the guy. He was so good and it was amazing. Well, so how's his marriage? Well, he's going through a divorce. <laughs> now, again, I'm sorry. There, there's, a, there's a lot of you know, wonderful good people that have been through divorces. I, please, I'm not putting that on anybody or anything. I'm just saying that while somebody's going through a divorce, that's not the time to go get marriage counseling from them. Okay, don't do it. Honestly, some of the worst fathers I've ever seen were pastors who were teaching about fathering. Do you know how many pastors there are that, they're, that they're, they're, their wives and children are nothing more than really you know, just decoys? A way, an ends to a mean. How many wives, how many pastors' wives feel like they've been divorced to the church? It shouldn't be that way. Kids shouldn't be a prop. They should be the object of our affection. 
Listen, I know of pastors that while they were doing marriage counseling, they were in the middle of affairs. When, after I first gotten saved, there was a, a, a pastor that he was on staff at a bigger church, and um, he, he was telling me that about one of the pastors, other pastors that were on staff, and the pastor was doing marriage counseling, and he was counseling a couple while he was involved in an affair with the wife. Listen, I mean, we think that all this is, you're talking about the ministry here. That's not even the world. These things are real. And, and again, I, in, in studying this, sometimes people with the greatest inner conflict, people that really have a tremendous struggle because of things that have happened in their life, and please, I am not making light of the inner struggles that people go through. And, and I know that this statement can be controversial. But sometimes people that are struggling the most, sometimes the most disturbed people go out and get counseling degrees. Not because they want to help people, but because they're trying to figure out this inner conflict that's going on inside of them. Trying to figure out what's going on. And please, not every person who goes to, please, not every person that goes to get counseling is, is in that situation. Not every person who goes to be a counselor. There are a lot of wonderful, good counselors. I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm pro-counselor. I'm not anti-counselor. Okay, I, I think that there's a lot of good to be done. A lot of wonderful things that can be done for us. But before, listen, for anybody, I don't care whether you have a counseling degree or whether you're just talking to your, you know, counseling the people that are around you. Before you start counseling other people, Jesus is saying, figure your own stuff out. Get some things figured out in your life. Before you start working on their marriage, maybe you should get your marriage under control. Before you start telling people what to do with their kids, maybe you should get your kids out of rehab. Again, I'm not downplaying the the reality of the need for those things. I'm not. But we need to deal with some stuff in our life. Jesus is calling us to deal with some of these things in our life. Why? So that we can get the log out of our eyes so that we can begin to help other people that are around us. Listen, if you're, if you're going to start giving people financial advice, get out of debt first. First things first. And Jesus is talking about this. You've got to deal with your own stuff. And he's called us to be responsible for that. I know we don't like that. But it is what he said. I, I much prefer the magic wand God who just takes it all away rather than the God who comes and tells me, hey, these are my principles and while you're in this world, you need to work on it. You know, we need to work on it. But what happens is, isn't this so true? It's so much easier to see the sin in someone else's life than it is to see it in your own. It's so much easier to tell them what to do than it is to do the hard work that is, it, you're gonna have to do yourself. And overcoming sin in our life is hard work. God's forgiven us. We got to walk it out. We got to walk out our salvation. We got to walk out who we are. But church, when we're just going to tell others what to do and not be willing to do it ourselves, that is the definition of a hypocrite. 
That's what he's talking about. And, and let me say, all of us, to varying degrees, to varying degrees, we are all blind guides and hypocrites. Well more aware, more aware of the sin that's in somebody else's life and far less aware of the sin that's in our life. Because we tend to extend grace to ourselves where we oftentimes won't extend grace to somebody else. We judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by their actions. See, I judge myself by what I intended to do and I can judge others by what they did, not what they intended. And it becomes so much easier. And let me tell you also, it becomes, the more, the more engulfed you are in religiosity, honestly, the harder and the worse it's going to be for you. And it's the way it works. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus did not leave us in this whole thing without an answer to this. What did he tell us to do? He said this. He said, well, students become like their teachers. So you got to be careful who you pick to follow. I'm going to say it, but this might not be a profitable statement for me to make. But that means you got to be careful when you pick a church. You got to be careful. Look, it's not all about the fellowship and it's not all about the, you know, the, the fun. It's not about how I felt when I walk in. It's about what are, you, what are you being taught? What does my life look like? What is it that you, you know, is, is out of line? Listen, and please, I have a whole bunch of specks in my eye. I got a whole bunch of things that I need a church that will love me enough to put up with me as God has put me in this place, but help me to get past some of the things that might be going on that I might be struggling with. Those places where I may not be in line with God's word. I want people in my life that would speak into my life and help me because I need it. Okay, I'm not coming at you and talking to you from a perfect point of view. There is nobody perfect here. We are all, every one of us, imperfect people coming to worship a perfect God. So there is plenty of imperfections to go around. But you need to be careful about the church you pick. You pick. Church, you need to be careful about the friends you pick. You, you, listen, we, we, oftentimes in this world, we don't pick our friends. We let our friends pick us. Or, or we tend to make friendships out of people that we have, you know, like minds about certain things or things we like together. Or, or we, we choose to pick friends like that rather than choosing friends for what it is that that friend truly has in their life for you and I. Because when you pick a friend, you need to be able to say to that friend, you know what? I give you permission to speak into my life. I need you to love me enough to give me good counsel. I need you to help me. Amen. So you pick those people. Church, you need to be careful about the books you choose to read. About the books that you, you, that you pick that are going to influence your life about some of the circumstances or the things that you're having a hard time with. You need to be careful, church, in this day and age, you need to be careful about the podcasts that you bring in. 
You need to be careful about the blogs that you follow. You need to be careful about the tweets that you follow as you pull them up on your phone. Listen, you got to be careful about the YouTube videos that you are entertained with. The people that are speaking into your lives through that. You need to be careful about the magazines and television shows and the radio talk programs that you allow to, to come into your life. Because Jesus said this, when fully trained, you will be like your teacher. So back to that place. We're all being led by someone and we are all leading others. And church, if the people that we're following are blind, Jesus says you will share in their blindness. And if the people that you're following are complete hypocrites, then you will share in their hypocrisy. This is a kingdom principle that Jesus is teaching us. Jesus says that you've been fully trained. A student will become like their teacher. So he's saying it's just vitally important that you decide who you're going to listen to, that who you're going to follow. Now, he tells us how to deal with blindness. He tells us there's, there's the way in which to deal with blindness. And the only way that you're going to be able to deal with blindness. And again, we won't like this because our pride is going to just absolutely... Ugh, the only way to deal with your blindness is to find people who aren't blind where you're blind. Back to the first point. People that will judge you and help you with that. People that will help you to see the issues and the areas of your life where you need some work, where we need, we've got these specks in our eye, these places that we need help with. Hey, I, this is not an area, listen, this is not easy, especially in our pride-filled world in which we live. But which kingdom are we gonna let our roots go down, into this kingdom or this kingdom? Because Jesus is telling about the principles of, of his kingdom. And church, listen, when you're picking friends and you're getting people around you, don't choose hypocrites. Again, I'll talk about that a little bit more in depth, but what I'm talking about specifically, don't pick people who will excuse your sinful lifestyle. Don't pick people who will enter into your sinful activities. Don't pick people who will go out and get hammered with you on Saturday night and then only come to the 11 o'clock service because they were too hungover to get up for the 9 o'clock. It's hypocritical. Don't, don't find your place of influence being with people that, that will sleep with you outside of marriage on Saturday night and then go to church and listen to how we're supposed to be pure. It's hypocritical. It is. Don't look for people that will excuse your simple lifestyle. Look for people that will confront it in a loving way. People who will love you enough to speak to you and to care for you. Listen, it's one thing for me to stand up here and to say it, and, and you know, people can put their head down or they can you know, pretend it's not me. It's a whole lot different when we're talking about face-to-face, one-on-one, confronting sin in someone's life. It's a whole different thing. 
You need people that will come into your life and they will willingly and they will lovingly and they will caringly say, you know what? You're a total hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because you freak out on people who did this. You freak out on people who have got a speck in their eye and you refuse to look at the log that's in your own. Deal with the log that's in your eye. And all of this, these are, these are kingdom principles, church. These are what Jesus is teaching us here. Principles of his kingdom. And you know what? The principles of his kingdom are, in, are diametrically opposing the kingdom principles of this world. They are in conflict with each other. Jesus, listen, in this kingdom, we learn to harbor a grudge that we don't forgive, that we don't love our enemies. We're, even in religion, we were taught some of those things. The Old Testament's filled with some of those wrongful thoughts. But God's kingdom isn't like that. And so it's going to be completely opposite of this kingdom. And therefore, as those who live in this kingdom, we're not of this kingdom, but we are in this kingdom. And those who are in this kingdom, who have been raised in this kingdom, those who grew up in this kingdom, the kingdom rules here, as we apply them here, are going to rub us the wrong way. You ever watch the little, you've seen the little fish swimming against the stream? Everything else, that, that, that's what God's kingdom principles will do in our life. We're going to go against the stream, and it's going to rub you, and it's going to rub the people around you the wrong way. It will. But, and this is the truth, but these are kingdom principles that he's teaching us. Therefore, when we are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us will not just let these principles sit. The Holy Spirit will come and he'll begin to convict us in regards to sin and convict us in regards to righteousness and he'll begin to lead us to this place where we want to deal with some of this stuff. You know what, I got to change this. Or I got to get rid of this. I got to do this. You know what, they were right when they told me about this. You know what, he was right when he was talking about that. There's these things, you know what, Holy Spirit's been really convicting me about this. And you know what the Holy Spirit will do? Is the Holy Spirit will cause you to name it. He will be specific with you about what he's talking about. He'll tell you. What's the log? Where is it? And again, don't think this message is for your friend. I get that, oh man, I can't wait to get home. You know, so-and-so needs to hear this. So-and-so needs... I. <laughs> I can't wait to go home and tell my husband. I gotta go home and tell him. You know, he really needs this. No, I'm gonna go home and tell him. This was a great sermon. He listens to it and, you know, he's the whole time thinking, why does she want me to listen to this? And he's going, that was not such a great sermon. This isn't about your friend. It's not about somebody else. It's about first things first. And Jesus says, first things first. Before you try counseling somebody else, deal with your own stuff. He says, I'll help you. But you got to deal with it. Deal with it. I, I'm continually, I am continually shocked at the horrible husbands who want to counsel other husbands. I am shocked at the, at the absentee dads that are verbally abusive to their kids, and yet they want to tell other dads how to do it. It is, it's amazing. Even in the pastorate. Look, there's a tremendous amount of hypocrisy in, in, the, in, the, in the pulpit today. 
You know that Assembly of God preachers, they, they did a, a, a survey. You know, 25% of Assembly of God, spirit-filled ministers, 25% of them had pornography addictions. Standing up in the pulpit and declaring the awfulness of pornography after they you know, either watched it in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever, but it's hypocrisy and it's a refusal to deal with the logging in their own eye before trying to counsel others about the speck that's in their own. I, the, 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 the hypocrisy in professional counseling. Years and years ago, in the town that we came from, at the church we were at before, I had a guy who came to uh, uh, see me for some counseling and to talk to me, and, and he, I was a little intimidated because he was a professional, he was a full-time professional counselor. And he came and, and, and he began to share with me. And praise God that he came to talk. And, I'll, and, and I'm pleased, don't take me wrong. I was happy that he came to see me. But his marriage was a mess. His kids were all a mess. It was a ter- the situation and circumstances of his life were completely falling apart. And here he is every single day counseling people in their marriages and in their families and in their homes. I said, brother, you need to take some time off. You gotta stop doing this until you can get some of these things in order. And God will help you. But until then, it's the blind leading the blind. And eventually, both will fall into a pit. That's what Jesus tells us. And, and again, it's not just in the pastorate. It's not just in the pulpit. And it's not just in men. It's in women, too. Hey, women who quarrel and argue and dishonor and disrespect their husbands. Their home is in complete chaos. The relationship is completely out of control. And yet, they want to tell other women how they're supposed to live. They want to tell other women how they're supposed to organize their life. They want to tell other people how they're supposed to treat their husband. And church, again, these are just examples. I could keep going until I specifically stepped on everyone's toes. Because we are all, to some degree, we are all hypocrites. We are all blind. We are all have these degrees in differing ways, in differing places. We all have these differing degrees of hypocrisy that we live with. The problem is, is that so many people just refuse to deal with it. They don't want to deal with the log in their eye. They want to they take the log in their eye and they want to blend it in so that it looks like part of their face. They want to take the log that's in their eye and they want to put doll clothes on it and make it look cute. They want to take and put rhinestones on it and sprinkle sparkles on it and make it look like a pretty earring. We just don't want to deal with it. And the truth is, church, it's a myth that says you should never judge anyone. We have to. God has called us to. If we love somebody and we want to be able to help them with the speck in their eye 
If we want to be able to help to call out and diagnose or look at what's wrong in their life and to be able to do that in a non-condemning way, to do it in a way that brings conviction the way God would in love, to do it in a way that's profitable for their life and they know that they care. Listen, that requires judgment. But Jesus is saying, do it after you've dealt with your own log. And then additionally, church, well, we often think that we, you know, we, we have to do this, but if, if there's somebody in a situation like that, and if you really love them, don't follow them. You will both end up in a pit. Don't follow them. Do what Jesus says to do. Rebuke them. Amen, Pastor Mark. <laughs> oh, we don't like that. But how can we, you know what? God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son. His love for us is so strong that he's willing to rebuke us. You know what? And that means, you know what? When there's some people that are speaking into your life, you just need to say, you know what? Hold on a minute. You know what, I, I love you. I love you with all of my heart. But stop giving me advice. Okay, I, I, I know you mean well, but you got this thing in your life that you need to deal with right now. And listen, I want you to deal with it because I need your help. I need you to help me with the speck in my eye. I need you in my life. I need you to come alongside of me. But first, you got to deal with that log that's in your life. Oh, and you're going you're, you're gonna to find what people are really made of. Because when you start rebuking somebody in that way and you start saying things like that, you're going to find out where their heart's at. And if somebody is humble, they're going to say, you know what? That's stung, but I sure appreciate you loving me enough to speak into my life. I sure do appreciate you caring enough to talk to me like that and to speak to me. And you're right. I need help with this. And let's work together. Thank you. Or a person that's prideful and arrogant will get all bent out of shape, push back, begin to point their fingers at you, and they will hate you. Scripture tells us in, in Proverbs 8, or 9, 8, it says, do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Look, Oftentimes, we don't know who somebody really is, whether they're wise or foolish, until they don't get their way. Until things don't work the way they think, or you point out their lumber yard, or you call them a hypocrite. Point out their blindness. But it's a kingdom principle that God's called us to. Worship team, would you come on back up? Look, but the truth is, and sometimes we get this in our mind where, you know what, all Christians are the only ones that are hypocrites. We hear it over and over again, don't we? Oh, yeah, I don't go to church because you Christians are all hypocrites. We are, we're all hypocrites. At least we're working on it. 
We, we all have this place of hypocrisy. We're all working on this place. Listen, yes, okay, all of you Christians are hypocrites, and so are all you non-Christians. I, I was reading an article, and I'll make the point with uh, the, just briefly share with you the, the crux of the article. But I was reading this article, and it was an article that was written a couple years back. And in that article, what they had done was a survey, and they had come up with the, um, the least charitably generous cities in the United States. Do you know what, well, guess what the number one least charitable city in the United States is? Where? Actually, Salt Lake was in the top. Huh? New York? No. No, it was, well, it was in Washington, but Seattle. Seattle was the least charitably generous city in the United States of America. Now, what was ironic to me, and, and again, those numbers have all changed over the years, but in this same year, in this same article, what they then said was that they had then listed the most cause-oriented cities in the United States. Do you know Seattle was in the top five? Think of the irony of that. You've you got a city, again, a, a a very, very unchurched city that are saying and asking these questions, well, what about the poor? What about, what about the low-income housing? Where is it all? What are we doing for the single mothers? What are we doing for the homeless? What are we doing for the... Somebody needs to help the needy. Somebody needs to help the poor and the hungry. Somebody needs to do this. Somebody needs to do something about this. And because those questions were asked so much, they were at the top of the list when it came to cause-oriented cities. But when asked, what will you personally do about it? Stop judging me. It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy everywhere we go. And all of us, church, we're all hypocrites to a varying degree. We're all in different places where we're walking that out. We all have that place that, you know, we're walking through that. But hopefully today we're walking in a little more truth than we were yesterday. And hopefully tomorrow will be a day when we have this opportunity to walk in a little more truth than we have today that we can begin to be changed and transformed, that we can walk out this salvation in this lifetime, and we can see those things change. We could walk, we're all blind in various ways. All of us are blind. And the problem with blindness is that we don't always know when we're blind. We don't always know the areas that we're blind in. You know, it's like if the window was open, and I look out the window, I can see plain and clearly what's right here. You can't. You're blind to it. So I can tell you what's happening out that window. And you can't. We are blind to our own blindness. And church, therefore, with that being true, that is why God says you need each other. You need each other. We need each other. We need to hold each other accountable. You know, we all want to be forgiven. We just don't all want to be accountable to it. But we need each other. And we can't be there for each other 
while we've got this log in our eye. And that is what Jesus is talking about when he's introducing these kingdom principles. And when we start to apply these kingdom principles to the stewards that are still living in this world, what the Holy Spirit is going to do is he is going to, he is going to confront us and make us begin, just as many of you have over the past few weeks, he's going to make us begin to ask ourselves some questions. You're going to find the Holy Spirit in your life going, so who do you need to forgive? You're going to find the Holy Spirit bringing the question up. Hmm, how is your giving? And today, what is your log? What is it? These principles will, will at, make you say, okay, what log is in your eye? Church, ask yourself. And, and if you don't know, you, okay, I've asked myself. I don't know. Ask a friend. If they know you and are honest with you, they'll tell you. And when they tell you, thank them. Bless them. Because they need you. They need you to be cleared of this the log in your eye so you can help them with the speck in their life that they're struggling with. In the place in their life where they're struggling with that. Ask your friend. And if they tell you, oh no, you're good. You're about the most perfect person I know. Say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> There's a third place you can turn to find out what the log in your eye is. And I challenge you. Ask God. Ask Him. He knows. He's the one who authored this. And He'll tell you. What is the log? Ask the question, what is the log? What is the issue in my life? Look, are you struggling in anger? Blowing up and overwhelmed? Everyone around you scared? trying not to see the chimney blow. Oh no, I love my wife. Why do you verbally abuse her? Deal with the log. I love my kids. Why do you ignore them? Deal with the log. I love my marriage. Then why are you so selfish? Deal with the log. What is it? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, speak to our hearts. 
Now I believe that many of you, just keep your heads bowed for just a moment. I want this just to be personal, individual for you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what God's talking about. And you know that in your heart, you're saying this, why did I come today? I know I've not dealt with it. I've not dealt with this issue. I've not repented of it. I know it's there, but I haven't put it to death. But you know what? I think today's the day. And you know what? I'm glad I came. You know what? I want to deal with it because this is the time. This is the time to deal with this thing. I'm sick and tired of falling into my pit, into this pit of depression by following the blind, leading people into the blindness. I, I come to you right now, Lord God, and I ask your forgiveness and I ask you to help me and to cleanse me and to give me the strength to move through, to pull this thing out. To let it go. I believe with all my heart there are many of you in this place that right now this is where you are. And yes, this is a personal and a private time between you and the Lord. But when we say our final amen today, you got to tell someone. You got to tell somebody. The Bible says in James 5 says, "Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray one for another." Why? So you may be healed. You need to tell somebody. Oh Lord, I know you love us enough to confront us. You love us enough to convict us. In fact, you sent the Holy Spirit to bring a conviction about the sin and the righteousness that you're drawing us into. God, you want us to overcome the principles of this world so that we can begin to walk in the principles of your kingdom. And I pray for the strength for each and every one that's calling out to you today, Lord, from their hearts. Lord, let there be a full and a fresh new baptism of your fire in their life to give them the courage, to give them the strength, to see, Lord God, their own hands pulling that log out of their own eye, to see, Lord God, the work being done, and that we might be, Father, a church that is able to help one another, to love one another, to judge one another in a fresh place of forgiveness and conviction and not condemnation. That Lord, we could be a church that's not divided because a house divided cannot stand. But let the house come together as we love one another, Lord. God, this is your way. This is, you're introducing to us what heaven will look like. Have your way, Lord. Jesus, the name above every other name. Oh, yes. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Thank you.
Come on, sing it out. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, come on, now every voice. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in one. Show me who you are and fill me with your so that you can help them, so that they can help you, so that you can help them, so that they can help you, so that you can help them. We need each other. God made it that way. So church, go be the church. Go live kingdom-minded. Amen? Church is not over. Church is about to begin. Go be the church. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day. And please remember, I love you. God bless you.